There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We're taking a little break from the recaps because I have two incredible interviews for you guys. The first, we have Kyle the Splits Richards, who, of course, we all know from The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. She's also co-starring in the new Halloween movie called Halloween Kills, which will be available in theaters and on Peacock October 15th. I got a chance to see it, and although I'm not great with scary movies, I do love the Halloween franchise, so I've always loved the original to me is like peak of the horror genre, and getting to sit down with Kyle, who is reprising her role from the original, Lindsay, uh, in the new movie Halloween Kills, alongside Judy Greer, who I love, Jamie Lee Curtis, who we all love. Uh, I'm so excited for you guys to see this movie. I thought it was great, and so when they reached out to me about having Kyle on the show... I got really excited to talk about the Halloween stuff, but I could not have her on the show here on Everything Iconic without talking at least a little bit about the Real Houses of Beverly Hills stuff. There's so much going on. The reunion trailer dropped right before I sat down with Kyle, so I really wanted to dive in uh, to all things Housewives. So I asked as many questions as I could, although she was on the show to talk Halloween. I had to dive in to the bamboozle Jane of it all. Don't talk to me like that. Or what? Seriously. Or what? I mean, how can I not? Or what? Or what? So I hope, I hope you guys enjoy my chat. And then after Kyle, after I say goodbye to Kyle. Goodbye, Kyle. I then sit down uh, with the one and only Lisa Ling, who I've loved uh, for years because she was a co-host on The View. You know, I watch The View every single night. And she's got the show on CNN, which is entering its eighth season called This Is Life with Lisa Ling. It's a documentary series. She's so good. Everything Lisa Ling does is is fantastic. I sit down with her. We talk about social media and the impact on journalism. We talk about her sitting next to Barbara Walters on The View. We talk a little uh, Britney Spears when she was a guest on The View. There's a lot of really interesting conversation. One of my favorites I've done. So I hope you guys stick around after Kyle to listen to Lisa Ling. I will put these interviews up on the YouTube channel about a week or two after they air here on the podcast. And at that point, you can go to youtube.com slash Danny Pellegrino and the number one to check them out. Uh, I'm going to play the Kyle chat for you guys. But before I do, I want to say, please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to pre-order my book, it's available now for pre-order on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore. I'll put the link in the episode description so you can get that. It's called How Do I Unremember This? As always, you can find all episodes of Everything Iconic at acast.com slash everythingiconic. And without further ado, please enjoy my chat with these two wonderful women, and I'll be back later this week with recaps of the first episode of The Real House of Beverly Hills Reunion. I like that little pumpkin on your desk, Danny. Yeah, I'm all festive. Uh, Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I'm so excited. We have the one and only Kyle the Splits Richards, of course, from (laughs) Halloween Kills, The Real Houses, Beverly Hills. Kyle, how are you today? I'm amazing. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm really excited to talk to you. I got to see this movie the other night, and it's going to be hard. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. But No, no spoilers. No spoilers, but I will say... This isn't a spoiler at all. You were my favorite part of the movie. It was so exciting because I'm such a housewives junkie. To get to watch you act was exciting. Thank you so much. You know, what's been really fun for me during this process is recently is seeing that, you know, the housewives fans become Halloween fans and the Halloween fans become housewives fans, which has been so funny to me because there's, you know, I I, I have, you know, different demographics on each one and they're merging now. And they all have been so supportive, which has been incredible. And was it fun getting back into the role? Talk to me about kind of jumping back into Lindsay. Well, acting is my first love. So for me, I've always tried to keep my toe in the door, you know, doing little things here and there while I'm doing the housewives. Um, But my schedule has been so insane that it's really hard to do that. But 
Um, you know, I always thought in my head, I'm going to be like Betty White and acting, you know, until I'm a hundred years old. And, um, to have this opportunity to bring Lindsay back, I, I really wanted to put my heart and soul into it. And I was just so fortunate to be embraced by David Gordon Green and having Jamie be so supportive, um, to have me back that it just made it so much easier and so exciting. I loved every minute of it. Did they make you audition? Did they just say, hey, we want to bring this character back? Like, how did that conversation go? I did not have to audition, but um, uh, David Gordon Green, our director, wanted to meet with me. um, And we met for coffee in Beverly Hills. I think he just wanted to get a sense of what I'm like. You know, I mean, if you watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or you don't and you Google me, you're only going to see probably like red carpet pictures and stuff. So we met and he got a sense of who, who I am as a person. And I had auditioned like a few years ago for something in the house. Why? I mean, Halloween. And then it got um, like postponed. So I don't know if they ever looked at that or not, but I did not audition. And then they called me and they said, we want you to be part of it. And we want to just give you um, a heads up. There's a scene that you may, you know, you should probably know about before you commit to saying yes to. And um, what scene was now I'm thinking, did I see the scene? Yes, I wish you could like oh yeah. So I know it's, scene, isn't this so hard? I can't. I know, I know we don't want to spoil it. Well, the scene where um in the park where I okay. see me going to the swamp. Oh okay. Did you see when I go when I was hiding? You know. Yeah, we see he, that in the trailers. We can say that. Right, yeah. right. So he he warned me that um there could be alligators in in there and that they were going to take every precaution to make sure I'd be safe regardless. And I was like, well, what does that look like? I mean, do they put nets in there? Like, I couldn't figure out what it was. But what it was is just men with flashlights looking for alligators. <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrifying to me. Terrifying. Yeah. And, and I, I saw, like, the alligator handler on the set. And it was just, like, 3.30 in the morning, you know, in the, in the middle of the night. So, And I went up to him, and he was this older man, maybe 80 or so. And he had a stick with the, 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 the loop on the end to catch the alligators. And I asked him, I said, do you, do you, what do you think the chances of an alligator really being in there? Because I'm starting to freak out. And I was like talking to him alone because I didn't want anyone to, to know how much I was freaking out. And he said, well, if I were you, the snakes, I'd be more worried about. And I was like, no, not the snakes too. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. I mean, I'm a, an alligator to me. That's like a, di- they look like dinosaurs. Okay. Like they're, they're scary. I couldn't imagine. Uh, yeah. What was harder to film then? What's harder, Housewives or Halloween? I'm sure you're getting that question a lot. I have been getting that question. I mean, honestly, um, I feel so much. I feel really fulfilled acting, and um, I, even though I had those moments of being afraid, you know, getting in the swamp, um, I have such an adrenaline rush, and I love it so much that. For me, that in that sense, it's easier. You know, shooting in a housewives reunion, I, I I'm like down for the count for two days. I can't leave my house, barely my bed in my pajamas, and the, and the entire cast feels that way. I can't even explain why it's so challenging emotionally. That reunion trailer that came out today, Kyle. Oh my god! I'm gonna ask you about that in a minute. I'm gonna ask you about it in a minute. But first, I want to say, would you and you and Kim ever do uh, an acting project together? Because Kim's an amazing actress too. I think both, I think people don't necessarily realize how good you guys are. At least housewives fans might not realize it, but there's a scene that Kim did in black snake moan that you watch it. It's like really good acting and, yeah. and seeing you in Halloween kills. It's like, re, it's, it's not just sort of, it's really good acting. And so I think we housewives fans don't always get that side, but I'd love to see the two of you in something together. I would love to see that too. I mean, you never know. We did movies together when we were younger. We played sisters in the, um, which was another scary movie, The Car, which is also a universal film. And um, I played the younger version of her in Escape to Witch Mountain. So we did do some things together. But I think but, we did a couple. But of now things I want. We need it now. I know. I know. I'm like, yeah. why not keep it going? Let's do it again. <laughs> uh, you have the uh, Real Housewives of North Pole. Is that coming out soon? Uh, the Peacock yes. movie. Yeah, what can you tell uh, me about that? It's a Christmas movie. It's about Betsy Brandt and I play best friends. Betsy Brandt from Breaking Bad, and I play best friends who every year enter a contest to see who can decorate their house the best for Christmas. And it's a small town, North Pole, and um, they have this big falling out where where the housewives' name comes into it because it's not uh, it's not affiliated with the housewives. It's just okay. the name, and they have this big blowout. 
And then they stop speaking and their children try to get them back together and they fall in love in the process and they uh, bring us back together. And it's just, it is such a wonderful movie. I am so proud of it. I'm so excited. It is such a, it is funny. It is feel good. It's just visually magical. Ron Oliver, our director has done so many Christmas movies and so many great feel good movies. So um, I'm just really excited to be acting and doing what I love to do most. Well, like the Hallmark Lifetime Christmas movies are my favorite. So I'm so excited that Peacock is diving into that genre because I think it's uh, there. Yeah. I mean, during that time of year, it's just like comfort food. You want to watch it. Um, exactly. Okay. So on the Halloween set, that scene you mentioned or, or uh, some of the other scenes, were you scared when you see Michael Myers in person, even though you know it's like you're acting? Are you still scared? It's very strange. I like, I can't really explain it, but yes, it is scary. You know, um, you know, when I'm shooting these scenes and, you know, plus you're getting, I'm, you know, you're so into it. I'm so into my, the, the moment and my character and I'm looking, I'm seeing this figure, you know, he's standing there. It's always so terrifying, the mask and that you can't see the, what's behind there. And his body language is so scary. And he's standing there with that knife in his hand. Yesterday we were doing a press junket um, at Universal Studios on the back lot and Michael Myers was there. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I screamed and ran away because, and, and it's funny because logically I know he's not going to kill me. I'm here to do a press junket, but yet I'm still panicking and freaking out. <laughs> it's like going to a haunted house. I feel like, you know, you're going into a haunted house, but it's still it, something about it is terrifying. That's exactly right. Like have you've gone to universal Hollywood, uh, Halloween horror nights, not you, this year, but yeah, yeah. I've been there, before. but you know, there are actors chasing you, but you're like, what if there's some psychopath who actually got in here? And that's, that's how you feel. There's, you know, you just can't help it. Right. Okay. I got to ask about this reunion trailer. So you haven't seen it yet, but it's going to yep. be a four part reunion. And I kind of thought really, do we, I, I thought Andy told us it's a four part. Do we really need that? And after seeing the trailer, I'm like, okay, now I need like five, six, seven parts. Cause it looked, it really did look so good. I'm getting so many messages. My phone has been blowing up about how amazing, how insane, how crazy it looks. And I, I thought it wasn't coming out till later. I think by accident or something, Andy posted or something. But I was like, what do you mean? It's already out. So I'm very curious myself, even though of course I was there, but you never know what makes it and what doesn't. So Okay, there are all these rumors that you and Bamboozle Jane, you got into it and you guys aren't good anymore. Are you? Can What can you tell me about that? Oh my God, there's so many rumors out there lately. Um, that one, that was, you know, things get uh, exaggerated in the press as you may have seen once or twice in your career and your life. But um, Erica's feelings were hurt. I hurt her feelings um, from, you know, scenes she saw in the show, Dorit and I and our husbands had a conversation. Um, and, you know, they had questions. Everybody had questions. It was confusing. I mean, you saw the, the season. It, it was confusing. We did have a lot of questions. And, you know, I've never known Erica to be a liar ever. She's been nothing but kind to me and supportive of me. So, you know, I have to go by that. I, you know, it's easy if you don't know someone to make a certain assumptions, but PK said things that were funny and it made me laugh. And then that hurt her feelings. So we, you know, she wasn't happy with us. So we had to address all that at the reunion. You know, watching that scene, I, I felt like it was a relief in some ways for viewers because so many of us watching had had a lot of those questions and the stories didn't make any sense with like the the falling in the cliff and the ankle and all of that kind of stuff. It was a lot. So going through both the season and the reunion now, do you, do you feel like you had clarity on specifically, I, I guess that accident? Well, I think that honestly, um, yes, I, yes, I do have more clarity. And also it's really hard when you're nervous and you know, you're, when you're in Erica's shoes and you were married to a lawyer for all of those years, you've already been like programmed to be cautious that you word things on the show probably way before any of this. And you get nervous and like you maybe miss certain pieces or you're trying to condense it. And you're also thinking about, Oh, I'm saying this, but I maybe shouldn't be saying this. I'm talking about someone else's life who's not signed up to be on the show. So I get that. So maybe the audience doesn't get that, but I'm thinking, okay, well, obviously there are missing pieces here and you know, she's stressed talking about this, but she knows she has to. So, um, you know, I, I have to give her the benefit of the doubt. I think uh, Bethany had once said from the Real House of New York, she said, 
you know, you can't play smart and stupid at the same time. And I think for the viewer, it can be a bit of a disconnect to hear that she didn't know any of this stuff when in other seasons we've heard her say, uh, you know, I could be, a, I could take the bar exam right now and be a lawyer because, you know, I've learned so much from being married to him. And so I feel like there maybe is a disconnect there. I don't know. I can see what, what you're saying in that point. But on the other hand, you know, um, I'm very smart. You know, I hear a lot of my husband's business stuff, but I also have no idea what's going on with certain things. He also has me sign papers. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, we, Kyle, we, you need to look at the papers. What are you talking well, about? You need, to by the way, the my husband is the one who says to me, you need to look at this. You need to yeah. read this. And I'm always like, Oh, please. And I grew up with a mom who was very like, you never know what a man's going to do. Always look at everything, but I trust my husband. And you know, he's also, she was also married to a lawyer who's not even allowed to legally come home and share information. So, but you know, they were, he, they never had a, a leveled relationship. I mean, he treated her like she was down here always. Was Tom Girardi coming home and sharing legal information with Erica Jane? I do not believe so. Well, it seems like Andy goes in hard at her at the reunion. Like there's a whole minute of him just grilling her with questions that. He did. He really did. It was, it was very difficult. I mean, we, we often feel like we're in a therapist's office with Andy and this time it also felt like a courtroom. It was very, it was a lot. Uh, Kyle, you mentioned your husband, Mauricio, who obviously we all love Mauricio. I mean, he's the most sought after house husband, I think, on the whole franchise. <laughs> um, I've always wanted to ask you this, though. So he popped up in an episode of Newlyweds. Do you remember the Nick and Jessica yeah. show? Yeah. And I've I've always been curious because there is a vacation he takes with Nick back in the day. And I wonder, is he still friendly with Nick Lachey or... You know, we he was friendly with Nick Lachey. We haven't seen him in a while. My daughter is their um, real estate agent. You know, with the agency, we represent them. And um, we always did. So um, I haven't seen him in a while. But that is funny. That that was way were, back in the day. <laughs> were you with him? At, you guys were together at that point, right? Or? My husband and I have been together since 1994. Yes. Yeah. I right. think we, we met him. And then Faye... Um, was designing, um, Faye Resnick was designing Nick's house. So, you know, we have a long kind of like history with them, but I haven't seen him in a long time. How do we get Faye back on the show? I want like, is Faye never going to be back on the show? Is she, has she had oh, it? No, she'll come back. I'm sure, I'm sure she will. You know, you never know. I love a good Faye appearance. I um, know. And, right. And what about Kim? Are we going to get Kim again? You know, we really wanted her to show up this season, but um, she was so nervous with COVID and, you know, there wasn't a vaccine at the time. And, you know, she was literally didn't leave her house. She was one of those people who was just too scared to leave her house because she has grandkids and she was, you know, wanted to be able to see them. So um, it didn't end up happening, but I think in the future it will. I like, I need a scene between you, Kathy and Kim, like the three of you. I know everybody we, wants to see that. It's like, we're, we're dying to see it. And you guys are filming right now for the next season, right? No, no. I heard, I heard that you guys are, but maybe I must've heard. Well, you know, because I was, because the bot mitzvah, there was cameras, but they were not um, housewives cameras. So that's not to say, you know, we have, there's, there's no season <laughs> 12 yet. But we have to get a season 12. And in season 12, we have to have you and Kath and Kim sitting down together. Like, we need it. And it was devastating in the trailer for the reunion seeing Kathy in your arms upset because I think we all just love Kathy so much. I mean, that was very emotional. That was very, very emotional. I was not expecting that. It's, it breaks my heart to even see it. I know we're going to get to see it when it when it plays out. Um, a couple more Halloween questions I got to ask you before I let you go. Uh, did they ever ask you to come back? You had mentioned you had maybe auditioned for another one, but but in terms of like Halloween H two O or Resurrection or some of those ones that were kind of in the middle there, had they ever approached you about about that before? Well, I had an audition for one of them, like maybe two years or before the last Halloween before Halloween kills. And it wasn't to play Lindsay though. And I went in and I, they put me on tape and I felt really good about it. And I was like, I, I nailed that audition. (laughs) You don't always feel like that, but I did. And then they're like, everything was great, blah, blah, blah. But then they're like, now it's getting postponed and now they're changing everything. And then I thought it was just done and gone. And then like, 
two years later, I got the call asking for me to play Lindsay and come back. So I'm glad it sort of worked out like this because I think it would have been tough for us Halloween fans to see you in a different role. It was so exciting to see this character. I it definitely would not have felt the same. Absolutely not. And just, you know, having my relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis all of these years and, you know, both of us, you know, being Lori and Lindsay all these years later. Um it's just such a unique and incredible bond that we have that I'm just um, so grateful for. What do you think it is about Jamie's character that endures so much? I mean, people, Laurie Strode is a, such an icon in the horror genre. I think you saw her, you know, since she's so young and you've seen her, what she's endured and getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And she is a warrior. I mean, she's just badass now. And to um, just witness what her character has gone through all these years. And, you know, people love her. People love watching Michael Myers kill people. People love listening to the music. I mean, I, I, I like to have it on my phone as the, the ringtone, you know, every October. So I think it's just was like whatever John Carpenter created originally created a, a perfect storm that made people still love it to this day. And with Jamie Lee Curtis leading the pack. There's a lot to love. Well, seeing her and so many, you and some of the other characters come back for this one was was such a delight for fans. And I think everyone's going to really like it. Everyone's going to check it out on Peacock and in theaters October 15th. Uh, Kyle, the last two questions I ask all of my Everything Iconic guests. It's uh, just uh, your favorite Mariah Carey song. And then also, if you were choosing for People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, who would you choose? And it can't be Mauricio, although we'd love him to get that title. Okay, my favorite Mariah Carey song is Make It Happen, because I used to, um, back in the day, listen to it when I would go to auditions, and I would like try to manifest what I wanted from my life, so I really loved that song, and I would always listen to it. Um, I love that you're the first guest that's ever given me that answer. I love that. I always would listen to that and be like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it happen. Everything I want in life, I'm going to make it happen. Um, the people's sexiest man alive, not giving it to my husband, is going to be Lenny Kravitz. Oh, come on. And now Channing Tatum's sort of in that family. I want to go to their Thanksgiving dinner. They're all just so hot. I, Channing Tatum's fine. He's cute, but not like But Lenny, Lenny yeah, yeah. 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 Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time. <laughs> I love watching you on The Real Houses of Beverly Hills, that reunion. I can't wait. And and Halloween, everyone's going to go watch. Thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you so much, Danny. Talk to you later. Oh, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
All you got to do is fill out this quick brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everything iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash everything iconic. So excited. I'm here with the one and only Lisa Ling. Lisa, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited. I mean, I know people love you. Obviously, everyone loves you, but I love you from the view. I'm a view like fanatic. I am the kind of person who watches it every night before bed to this day. So I'm a I'm a view fanatic. And then my boyfriend is obsessed with your CNN show and and your work on uh on Oprah's show like he's uh, big into the documentary space. So this is like a big moment in our household today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Tell me a little bit about the CNN show. You're going into the 8th season. Yes. Uh, what do we have to look forward to this season? Well, this season um our series this is life. It's a documentary series that really explores different issues or subcultures in America. But this season, we're doing something a little bit different. Because of COVID, um, we had to pivot a little bit. Our show is generally one that is very emotional and sometimes very physical. Um, but be, you know, because of our shooting restrictions, we, 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 we had to kind of pivot a little bit. And so every episode this season is grounded in a moment in history um, that really gives us a, a, a sense of where we are now. Um, you know, defining moments that didn't make it into our history books, but have impacted our lives today. Um, and I got to tell you, it's, I, I have learned so much. And it's interesting that since we started producing this season, um, one of the fiercest debates going on in our government, in school districts, in local legislatures, and even homes is around what kinds of history to teach our kids. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's really interesting because it's so imperative to me and always has been to understand our history because it allows us to know where we belong, but also to examine how we can move forward in a way that might be different because it hasn't been working. Right. A lot of the topics are really heavy. I'm, I'm curious, do you take a lot of that heaviness home when you're when you're done shooting or are you able to sort of let it go after you're done with the work of it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a tough question. Um, and, and I'm grateful that I have these incredible team members who are out in the field with me and, and I'm not going to lie. There are moments when after we've finished a shoot, we'll all get into the car and just like start crying together. Um, but every episode also ends with something hopeful because at the end of the day, no matter what, there is always, you know, I'm a, I'm a glass half full person. There is either something that we can do or by raising awareness, there is, is always light. I've always found that wherever there is darkness, there is always light. Um, but, but these shows, I'm proud to say, I mean, I've always loved history, but I think we've done something different when these, with these episodes, which is we have drawn connections between those moments and today and I like to think that when you watch these shows, you will not only be entertained, I mean, it is TV after all, but you will walk away um, more educated, more aware, um, and ultimately, I think, a more well-versed and, and better human being. You make everything so accessible in a way that I think a lot of other uh, news outlets don't. But I, I mean, you have such a, a history with journalism. I wonder what you make of the field right now, where it stands, particularly uh, looking at something like social media. I was just watching the 60 Minutes the other night where they were talking about how this news spreads on Facebook and there was the Facebook whistleblower. And I'm, I'm yeah. curious what your take is on, on how news spreads today. Well, we have an episode about conspiracy theories that will be airing as part of this season. And I, and I hope people take the time to watch it because I think it really um, gives people greater insights into how we got to where we got today. I mean, look, conspiracy theories have always been around, but what's different now is how quickly they spread on social media. And look, over the last four and a half years, you know, when you have a president in Donald Trump who disavows mainstream media completely, people need to get their information somewhere, right? And so they go online, they'll often seek out things on YouTube, which I actually think is the most dangerous platform for the spread of this, mm. even more than Facebook. And they plug in something that they may have heard that, that 
that may in fact be conspiratorial in nature. And what happens? Their feed immediately populates with like information. And for people who aren't able to distinguish fact from fiction and really sort of disseminate like what is, you know, uh, or, or understand that some of this, some of what they're seeing may not be valid and they're not accustomed to looking at media with a critical eye. This is how the, we've got to this, gotten to this place. And look, mainstream media, there is a lot of opinion involved, right? I mean, many of the commentators you see on mainstream news outlets are spewing their own opinions, but that doesn't make it mean it's fake. And when reporters are out there reporting, it has to be fact-checked up the wazoo. <laughs> I mean, truly, there is such caution that is exercised when presenting news and, and reporting information. And if there are errors, which inevitably there, there will be sometimes, there will be an apology and an acknowledgement, and the outlets will right those wrongs. So to have totally disavowed mainstream me- media as fake um, – I just think it's it's still shocking to me, but that explains the rise of misinformation because mm-hmm. people are seeking alternative sources that fit their, you know, the, the 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 things that they espouse. So what do we do? I mean, if you see someone, a friends or family on social media, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, sharing something, I think you and I, I went to journalism school too. And it's like, I, I feel like I have a good grasp on being able to sort out what is true, what looking at the outlets of where this information is coming from. Uh, what do you suggest we do or, or how do we approach people who we see sharing this kind of information? I mean, I would ask people to, to, um, to give their sources mm-hmm. and corroborate those sources. I know for me, um, when I post something or repost something, I try to verify that information with as many different legitimate sources as I can before I will post it. And recognizing that media can be biased. Again, bias doesn't mean it's fake. Um, and so I will really try to, to do my homework. And I think we really are at a, at a place where we need to do that. And I also would encourage um, schools to um, start teaching more media literacy so that young mm. people understand where their information is coming from. Quite frankly, it's actually older people that need the middle uh, media literacy classes more. Um, the people who are most vulnerable to conspiracy theories, it turns out, are baby boomers and even the older baby boomers. Because again, they 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 weren't raised in a culture where they had to question um you know, what they were seeing. And when your, your YouTube feeds populates with all this information and it's like the same, you know, same kind of reporting, even though it's fake, you don't understand that. Cause look, look at there are all these videos that corroborate what, what, mm-hmm. what I inputted. Why do you think YouTube is worse than let's say Facebook? I think YouTube personally, I mean, I think that there, there are danger to all of them. Um, you know, Twitter has has now sort of imposed some standards, right, or regulations about misinformation. The problem with YouTube is that you can post something, and again, your feed populates with with like information, and and does not um, does not come with any um, warnings, disclaimers, right? or disclaimers um, that what you're reading or what you're seeing may not be valid. Um, so I think that Facebook and, and Twitter have gotten a lot of attention, but I think we need to really examine YouTube. I mean, my mother-in-law's church friends during the election were just spewing this crazy information. And it was because they have switched from mainstream media to get their news and information from sources like YouTube. It's so scary. And uh, the other day, there was this big outage at Facebook. It impacted Facebook, Instagram. And it really worried me just, first of all, knowing my own dependence on these forms of social media and seeing how many times I was checking to see if it was back up, but then also also worrying me because this one corporation is controlling so much of our day. So much of social media is just this one entity. And I don't know if I ever really even noticed until, until that happened of, the fact that Facebook, Instagram, that WhatsApp, they're all connected. They're all run by the same company. And that's scary to me. 
Well, that's scary. And also when you think about kids, you know, and, uh, and, and how, I mean, look, kids that have, when, when, when surveys have been conducted, I'm part of an organization called the California Partners Project. And one of our main issues is the tech's impact on young minds. And so we've conducted studies and every single teenager that we, we uh, surveyed for our tech study said that social media makes them feel worse. So why are we allowing our kids to get on it? I mean, I, I heard, and I, I don't know if this is true or not. So forgive me if it, if, if, it's conspiratorial, but I, that, <laughs> we don't uh, fact check here on everything iconic, but <laughs> we encourage the listeners to though. Well, I, I heard that Instagram is, it was thinking about um, uh, putting out like a, a page or a service for kids. And I just think like, what is the real, like, what is the benefit for kids to be on social media? It makes them feel worse, right? It addicts them. It's kind of like, you know, it's a time suck, what is the benefit of it? I mean, actually yesterday, even though I, I was relentlessly checking to see when Instagram would be back up again, I actually got a lot done because I realized there was there was a problem mm-hmm. and I just put it away and I was pretty productive, yeah. more productive than I had been in a while because I think by default, we just start checking. It's just like it's become... It's, it's, you know, it's this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, totally. I, it, that was a day where I just really realized how many times I check it, it when I wake up in the morning, when I'm going to bed, or when I'm even just wasting time in the restroom or something like that. It's like, I constantly have my phone checking and it's like, man, I didn't even realize how addicted I am. Oh, yeah. uh, I want to switch gears a little bit. You talked about opinion and, and how so much of news is opinion-based and you started in a, a medium of The View, which I love. Uh, and I'm curious... What do you remember most about your time there? What sort of sticks out to you? Um, you were one of the best ones, Lisa. I need yeah. you back there. Thank you, Danny. It's funny. I actually guest hosted uh, two weeks ago. Oh, I saw it. <laughs> it was a surprise. And I said to the women, I said, I, I am so grateful that I was on The View at a time before social media because, oh my God, I was on one day. And I said something about how, you know, to me, it didn't seem like young people were, were working as hard or willing to work as hard as I, I was when I was young. And oh my God, my social media blew up with people, you know, assailing me for expressing that opinion. And I just thought, oh my God, this is one day. I, I, I can't believe what the women have to go through because look, whatever you think of the view, it is completely, you know, it's unscripted. Um, with the exception uh, exception of some jokes that are written for people, but for the most part, once you're out there, whatever you whatever you say on national TV that day cannot be retracted, and it really opens people up to you know such scrutiny and and you have to really be vulnerable but secure to to do that job. And so, I remember you know people because people really watched that show, and I remember people getting upset with me about some of the things that I said or, um, you know, applauding me for things that I said and, and, and just thinking about what that reaction would be like today with social media is, is dizzying and scary. Um, and while I didn't really feel that it was, you know, I was in the right place. I was so young. I was only in my mid twenties. And even though I had traveled the world for my show, my life experience in terms of my, my interpersonal, you know, skills in life with my, with, uh, you know, against my colleagues, right. was so much more limited um, that it was, it was, it was hard. It was hard to sit in that seat with the likes of Barbara Walters and Meredith Vieira and Star Jones, but I learned so much from it. And I don't think that I would be where I am today or that I could even speak so freely with you today. Had I not had that experience on the view. I love the interview you did with Sarah Haynes for the View podcast. I'm obsessed with the View lore, and I think it's so fascinating, social media. I feel very protective of all the women on the View because I do watch it every night, and I see so clearly how things get construed by media when it comes to the View because oftentimes a little soundbite will get picked up. And I'll see everyone commenting on Twitter or, or Instagram or wherever about that one clip. And I'm like, man, you guys need to see the whole thing. Cause in, exactly. it, it's like, if, if you just pull that little bite of joy or, or whoever yeah. it is, it can become a big thing. And everyone then is giving their opinion on it. And I, I feel like so protective of all the women, whether I agree with them or not, I think 
I, I just want everyone to like watch the whole show and it's enjoyable and it is meant to be entertainment. I think that's a distinction with the view too. Uh, yeah. Did you read the book? Did you read the ladies who uh, punch? I, I did not read the book. In fact, I, need to I know, I know I'm embarrassed. <laughs> Are you saying you didn't read it, but you secretly read it? Cause you don't want to have to come. I, I honestly have not read it yet. <laughs> I have to read it. it. it even, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. I read it. It was like a year ago. I read it, but yeah, all the, ho- I mean, it's like really juicy stuff. I mean, yeah. Barbara seems tough. Have you have you had any interaction with Barbara as of recently? Not. It's been a long time, and I and I hope she's okay. And and my re- interactions with Barbara were always pleasant. I mean, she did kick me under the table a couple of times, and I love you know, that. I feel like she, you know, disregarded some of the things that I said. But at the same time, you know, when I think about Barbara's life and her career and the sacrifices that she made to get to where she was and you know that 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 lion's den that she that she lived through and had to experience as one of the few women in a male like a, a ferociously male dominated world i have nothing but respect for her and you know i did have some really incredible private moments with her i mean she invited me to one of her dinner parties with the late Richard Holbrook and the late Vernon Jordan. And yeah, like it was, and I was what, 26 years old. And it was that, you know, even though she may have disregarded some of the things that I said on the show and in person, like she thought highly enough of me to have invited me to sit alongside those, um, you know, those incredibly um, influential people. So I will always be protective of Barbara. So, and I think that's one of the reasons why I didn't read it. Cause I, I know how some of the co-hosts felt about her. Um, and I just, I, I, I didn't want it to, I don't know. I, I, I just didn't want to want to know about it. Honestly. Yeah, I love that Barbara kicked you under the table, not because I want her to kick anyone, but I just think like, I don't know the idea of Barbara Walters kicking me. She is such a legend. I don't know. It's yeah, just... it was kind of it was kind of cool. Like yeah. even though kind of hurt with her pointed toe, you know, pointed Manolo Blahniks. It was kind of cool. <laughs> Do you have a good Joy story? Can I get a good Joy or Meredith story? Um, what I will say about Joy is that she also, you know, we we weren't. It, you you might not think we were super close on the show because we didn't sit next to each other and our profiles were so different. But Joy really was very maternal with me. Again, I was the young one on the show and I was in New York for the first time and getting invited to this and that. And I was kind of like at the time, look, this was 20 years ago. I was like this young it girl in New York. Right. Um, And so I would go after the show on many occasions and just lay on Joy's couch and just she was like my count, like my my shrink uh, because I was away from home. I was away from my parents and the invite advice that she imparted um, was always really valuable because it was just sort of like, whenever I kind of questioned my, you know, question myself at all, she would just, the, the way she reacted to things like, just get, just get rid of him. Just don't call him. Like, why are you wasting your time? Like, it was just like, it was, so what, the, who cares? Yeah. It was like the Italian mother I never had who just like said, said it like it was. Ah. <laughs> uh. I love it. Lisa, I want to get some of your opinions on some other things that are sort of in the news or the zeitgeist right now. Uh, Britney Spears, the Free Britney campaign. Do you have any uh, opinions on that? Have you been following that at all? So I can't say I've been following it very meticulously. I, know I just kind of, kind of talk about it in broad strokes. I, I will say, though, when I was on The View 20 years ago, Britney was a guest. And this was right in the beginning of her career before the Pepsi ad. You know, like I think um, um, Baby... Uh, what's the song? Baby One More Time. Baby One More Time. Yeah. That was her song. And I remember like seeing that video and just how like sexualized it was, but then meeting her in person and how uncomfortable she seemed and how like, you know, like she had acne, like she was just like this, this, this young girl who was very normal, but scared, but thrust into the spotlight by forces beyond her control. That's honestly how I felt about her when I met her 20 years ago. And so in, in some ways it doesn't surprise me, this whole conservatorship um, uh, story that, that started to evolve because even then she really seemed like she didn't have the kind of agency that someone with that big a career would have. Christina Aguilera was also a guest and the difference between Christina and Brittany was so palpable. Like really Christina was just like so much more, 
I don't want to say outgoing, but she just seemed like she was so much more in control of herself. Uh, yeah, it breaks my heart. I mean, I got that impression from both Brittany and Jessica Simpson. Like both of those young women to me just seem like they were not in control of themselves. Interesting. You know, I, I Jessica is one of my favorites. I love, I love Jessica Simpson. And I, I just recently read her book. And it's so fascinating to me to look back on that period of the early 2000s with where we're at now and to see how, how people, how the media, how uh, the people involved in these young women's careers treated these young women. And obviously hindsight's 2020, but God, it just breaks my heart to see what some of them went through. Yeah. I mean, they, they were a piggy bank. Yeah. Right. Uh, and were in some ways, like a victim of, of, of trafficking in some ways, you know, and, and in the way that like, you know, a trafficking victim works really, really hard um, and doesn't see a penny of what they earn. I mean, in some ways, what's the difference? Wow. Tell us about what you have coming up. Like what topics are we covering in season eight? And then also, are there ones that you haven't gotten to that, that are like on your list for season nine or things that, that you're already thinking about you want to cover? Well, I can't tell you about the topics that we have on the list for season okay. nine. We do have a very robust one. Um, and, and So there and, will be a season nine. Yes. Yes. Okay, okay. There will be a season nine. I'm, I'm hoping to make it to season 10. Um, that would be incredible. Um, but again, this season, we're grounding every episode in a historical event. So the first episode um, is about Vincent Chin, who, who I said was a young Chinese man who was murdered um, and accused of being Japanese during this um, economic downturn in Detroit. We do an episode about conspiracy theories, how they've always been there. Um, you know, they, 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 they've always plagued our, our, our fledgling democracy, but because of social media, they've just kind of run amok. We have an episode about a period in American history when gay people were um, thought to be a threat to our national security. You know, we, I think we're all familiar with the debate around like the morality of homosexuality. But there was a time in American history when gay people were actually thought to be a threat. Um, and that was during the Cold War. When, uh, when, when, when people who were homosexual, there wasn't even a word, there were, the word gay wasn't even in our lexicon, um, were, were thought to be easily corruptible. And so as a result, tens of thousands of gay people, um, were purged from their government jobs and, in, and throughout the military. Um, and we also have an episode. It's one of my favorite that we've ever done. You know, when we hear about gang violence in Chicago, which is weekly these days, I feel like in all the gun related violence, we connect what's happening today with something that happened a century ago when um, housing segregation really took root in Chicago. Um, and so again, it's these opportunities to explore these moments that may have happened a century ago, but still have a lasting impact on how we are doing things today and how we're living today. Lisa, what do you want your legacy to be? I mean, is that too broad of a question? When you look back at all you've put out, you've you've done so much great work, incredible work. Uh, is there a through line that you you want people to take away? Honestly, Danny, like I've never had aspirations of, you know, being the next Oprah or even Barbara Walters. I mean, I did want to be Connie Chung because, <laughs> for obvious reasons, you know, she was the only Asian person on a national stage. But for me, like the fame of it, the celebrity of it, isn't what's what I want my legacy to be. I really want my legacy to be Lisa Ling was someone that really propelled us to think differently, you know, and to better understand our fellow human beings um, a little bit better. You know, I mean, that's that's all I really that's that's what I hope for. And I hope that my kids can be proud of 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 the work that I've done. Oh, well, I'm proud of the work that you've done. It's truly been so incredible. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that 
thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I want to run through a couple lightning round questions. Okay. Uh, first of all, the... Wait, so would you go back to The View full-time? No. No, okay. <laughs> not, not in the age of social media, no way. Okay. Uh, I ask all of my guests these next two questions. Your favorite Mariah Carey song? And then also, who would you choose for People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, if you were to choose? Oh, oh. It's got to be like an actor, celebrity person. Um, okay. Um, my favorite Mariah Carey song is Hero. A good one. A good one. Classic. I do. I do love some Mariah. Um, and who would I pick for Sexiest Man? God, that's so hard. I because just love how much you're thinking about it. Like that I know, makes me happy. I, I know <laughs> the sexiest man to me is this like a Taiwanese basketball player who doesn't even speak a word of English. Oh my God. That What's guy. his name? And let me look him up. Uh, do we uh, know his name? His name is Jet. Actually. He has the same name as my daughter. Are you, are you on, are you on social? Yeah. Right? Let me look. Yeah. Okay. Jet. Okay. His, his handle is um, Jet Lucid Dream 1988. Oh my God. Okay. I'm following him. Okay. I mean, seriously, I have you ever look at those cheekbones and the tattoos. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's like that, that to me. And by the way, I tell my husband this too. My yeah, husband yeah. saw him and he was like, yeah, he's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, he gets it. He gets it. Uh, Lisa, anything else you want to tell us about the show? It's coming up. It's, this is life airing Sundays on CNN. I know everyone's going to watch it. You also have a deal with HBO max. I can't wait to see what you do there. You have a few different things that. coming up. I'm doing a show for HBO Max called Takeout, and it's an exploration of Asian American history through the lens of food, and who doesn't love Asian food? And we've already shot the whole season, and the first two episodes that we've completed, I got to tell you, like, they're really, really special, and I think anyone who tunes in, whether you're Asian or not, um, will appreciate it, because when I say Asian history, I really mean, when I say Asian American history, I really mean American history. This is all of our histories, so I hope people check it out. The HBO Max is doing amazing documentary work right now. Like I'm obsessed with it. And obviously CNN has been doing such great work forever. Lisa, what a delight, truly a dream come true to get to talk to you. I've been a fan forever and I look forward to just following your career. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much, Danny. Take care. 